shit. So fleet does it. What time do you call this? Oh, uh, hey man, you're still up. <sighs> typical. What do you mean typical? You said we'd play couch co-op this evening. Did I? You forgot. Again. Oh, really? Uh, sorry, mate. I haven't been able to go out for ages, you know. <laughs> and you've been drinking? Only nanny state. Don't bring my grandmother into this. But... Honestly, dude, you never make time for the pod anymore. I never make time? Who never finishes the games? Well... And who does all the editing? You don't let me help you. Yeah, because you don't have the necessary craft. Necessary craft beer, more like. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a drink once in a while. We used to drink and play games for hours on end. Things change. That's why books have more than one page. That's why me and my grandfather aren't the same age. <sighs> Now's not time for a rat battle. Sorry. Well, I guess we still love each other. It'll work out in the end. Uh, what? Uh, no, not love. I meant, uh, if we want to make a podcast together. Yeah, that's the one. Exactly. But like any relationship, it still requires commitment and understanding. And maybe a shorter game once in a while? Yeah, I'll think about it. It's our different perspectives that keeps things interesting. But they'll always be different. Because I'm not Ben, I'm Teo. And I'm not Teo, I'm Ben. And this is... Pixel Vision! <laughs> Right, what game are we talking about today? Uh, today, uh, Mr. Ben, we are talking about It Takes Two. It's a co-op game, so we played it all together. Yeah, we did. This is kind of a weird one, actually, because obviously Tay and I have a pretty good idea of, well, we shared the exact same experience while we were playing it, let's put it that way. So I kind of know how he feels about it, and I'm guessing he kind of knows how I feel about it. So, little game, Tao. How do you think I felt about it? Uh, I thought, well, is this just what I think? I, I definitely think you w thought it went on too long. Don't look at me expectantly. I'm not going to give you any clues. Okay. <laughs> All right, no clues. Uh, it went on too long. The dialogue was repetitive. It was morally questionable. Well, not morally questionable, but like strangely conservative in its message. <laughs> Uh, and the old nuclear family <laughs> and often just a little bit um predictable and boring to play how about that was that what i thought of it or what you that's what you it? thought of it what did you think i thought of it uh shall i list the same bullet points <laughs> 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 no i think you probably um you probably did share similar views i'm not sure if that's me projecting what we were playing um but i definitely would have thought you felt similarly about the length about the dialogue and how cheesy it was. But I also think you probably enjoyed elements of it, as I did, and thought it was quite original in some of the things it did. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, my main thought really was that I didn't think we were the um, intended audience for the game, but then we spoke about it a little bit as we were going through, and we couldn't really figure out who the intended audience was. Because <laughs> it started quite strongly, um, and I thought it would be fun for people to play together who don't often play games or where one side of the co-op pair does play games but the other one doesn't 
as a way to sort of introduce them to playing games. Like, games can be fun. Which, in a way, is like our dynamic, isn't it? <laughs> is it? What do you mean? Well, you're the one who's clearly very capable in all the games, and I'm the one who's sort of fumbling my way around a joystick. No euphemism intended there. <laughs> Granddad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, well, because I agree with you on the intended audience. Like, it, it is very hard to place. And part of that is that it's got a sort of kiddie animated Disney Pixar vibe mm. of kind of like A Bug's Life or Ants or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or something like that. I recognise that one of those is a live action and the other two are animations, by the way. Yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It is like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, so good job. Nick, what happened? We're all the size of boogers. <laughs> Be quiet, Cork! But... Those are all very much targeted at children, as this sort of feels like it is aesthetically, but then the themes are very adult, some of the jokes are very adult, and Dr. Hakim's Book of Love with his wiggly hips, I think is probably a little bit adult. (laughs) I'm Dr. Hakim, worldwide bestseller and an expert on love. Your daughter purchased me. She was lucky. I was the last copy because I was selling the best. <laughs> I've kept millions of couples and now I will help you two to get together again. Oh, this is definitely a nightmare. Yeah, but like adults do go crazy for those films as well, don't they? I mean, I don't know about crazy. Like if it's a good animated film, then maybe there are some adult jokes in it that are enjoyable to both adults and children alike. I was around at a friend's house on Saturday and he's a man, I would say, in his late 30s and he was extolling the virtues of Puss in Boots, the spin-off from Shrek. (laughs) I'd never watched it and I said, it's just because you've got kids that you watch this, right? And he was like, no, no, I just, I really love the Puss in Boots film. It's a great film. You should watch it. So, there you go. Shrek! Oh, come on, donkey. Look at him in his wee little boots. You know, how many cats can wear boots? Honestly. Oh, let's keep them. Say what? And then you binged How to Train Your Dragon. This is a burly man with a beard. Yeah. I think they do have broad appeal, and I think that's probably where this game... Because it's not for kids, is it, this game? Maybe teenagers, but... I don't even know what the Peggy rating is of this game. It must be a pretty universal Peggy rating, though, because it's not like the swearing, the violence is... I mean, there's violence. We'll get to cutie. Oh, we'll get to the violence. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, it's not graphic violence. It's not gory. It's nothing malicious. We'll get to QE. But yeah, in general, it's not. So it feels like it's very palatable for a child. It's more just, I think the themes would just go over their head in a way. Yeah. It'd be kind of like, what are we doing? I think a lot of the pleasure that the game is meant to give comes from recognising the references it has and all the different gamer tropes that it plays into. Because it is a very referential game, isn't it? There's like Ooh. moments of Star Wars, of Harry Potter of Mario's Rainbow Race and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's almost like if you wanted to get someone who wasn't into games into games, it's got little... What are those wheels called that you put on bikes when you're learning? Stabilisers. (laughs) Stabilisers. It's like it's given you a set of stabilisers for about ten different genres. Yeah. 
It's true. You can graduate from this game into many different directions, maybe. Especially if you've got a Nintendo Switch or similar sort of Nintendo gaming platform. Because this is very much... It's less of a live action... I don't know. It skirts the sort of Activision style of gaming and the Rockstar style and kind of the AAA titles. But very much sits in the sort of playful, trippy experiences that Nintendo throws out all the time, if you see what I mean. Mm. There definitely aren't any first-person shooter references, and there's no um, there's no inventory management. Or So the entire game is played on the screen. You're not having to go between screens. And the only time that you do is during the mini-games, which do have a few more little references in them. But the actual like bulk of the genres that the, that the chapters span that you play through... I mean, there's no, like, map or... I mean, they're, like, side-scrollers, platformers. platformers. A lot exactly. of the games are kind of the type of thing you would find in a in a nascent VR headset title. Yeah, agreed. And you never have to think about more than three buttons. True. And sometimes only one <laughs> in the mini games. Yeah. Which I still failed at spectacularly. But anyway, Teo... Give us your little Teo monologue. We've been already talking. We're halfway through the pod and we haven't even got to it. We've been skirting around it for ages. So yeah, it's called It's Take Two. Uh, It's a two-player only cooperative game in which you play as either... Oh my God, I've forgotten their names. Cody, May. Cody and May. And Little Rose. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. Cody, who is the dad in a family. May, who is the mum. And it begins where it's very obvious that they're not getting along and that they are planning on getting a divorce. Oh, Cody, I'm not in the mood for this discussion again. Hey, hey, Rose needs both of us, okay? That's not fair. Using her. I'm not using her. I'm just stating a fact. Why don't we just go ahead and tell her that we're divorcing? Rose, their daughter, is sad about this, thinks it's her fault, and cries over a book of love to try and rekindle her parents' relationship. This has the unintended effect of shrinking them to doll size. Cody is made of clay and May is made of wood, but they both still have their human bodies back in the house. They're just in some sort of weird coma, which unfortunately Rose just thinks they're ignoring her, which it makes her feel worse and worse. So the game is played through together to try and get you back into your real bodies. Yeah, it's about a kind of marital breakup and how a little kid's entangled in it, really, isn't it? Mm. And it's so fucking on the nose with that as well. Well, this is the thing. So should we address that straight away? Or are we worried about spoilers? Because it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Neither you. Like, our first prediction on our, like, first couple of playthroughs changed eventually. Basically, it becomes increasingly clear. I am just going to spoil it. It becomes increasingly clear that they are just going to get back together. Yeah. Through trips down memory lane, inspired hmm. by Dr. Hakim's A Book of Love. For everyone who yeah. hasn't played the game and is just hearing me say that in a very funky accent, it's because he's like Mexican or French or something, isn't he? Yeah, he's definitely Mexican, I would say. I thought he was a bit French. Or, you know, Hispanic. You thought he was French, yeah. French-Mexican. Hello. I am a man with a twisty moustache. The face of evil, it remains always the same. Yeah, it's probably a character in A Little Mermaid, maybe. Or no, maybe Beauty and the Beast, one or the other. It sounds like a little bit like one of those guys. Yeah, a sort of 
imprecise, but generally exotic foreign accent. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So he's allowed to be a little bit, um, a little bit out there. A little bit crazy. Yeah, but because he's a book, he can only express himself with flexing his little bookie hips. Yeah, so that's kind of how the game kicks off, is that he's teaching you about commitment and looking out for each other and re- your relationship and things like that. But it does start off quite funny, didn't you think? Like, we were laughing at it to begin with. Initially, it's quite charming. But I also think that's because we had good intentions, right? Like, when I go into a game, I want to enjoy the game. My default setting is, yay, I'm going to enjoy a new game. This is going to be really fun. I don't ever, or very rarely, go into a game thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. How's this going to pan out? And so I think I went into it with the best of intentions and, like, willing it to win me over and obviously it's received a lot of critical acclaim like as we talk i think it's a 10 out of 10 on steam and pretty high on metacritic wow so like people seem to have loved it i wonder if they finished it (laughs) presumably they did yeah that's a bit harsh and so my bar was quite high but i was also expecting it to be really good so when i started i was like laughing in a way to encourage myself to enjoy it as well if you see what i mean Mm. and and yeah, all right, fair enough. There were bits where I was like, oh, this is so silly that it is funny. But then that silliness just becomes a bit annoying. That's why I think it's mostly a problem with pacing, because it takes about 12 hours, right? I think it actually took us a little bit longer to play. Yeah, it definitely did. I think it was 13 or, or even maybe a bit more. And to begin with, it's funny and novel and like Dr. Hakim's dialogue especially, like raises it up, May and Cody... They're antagonistic enough to begin with that there's like a little bit of spark there. But then that antagonism towards each other just goes on too long. You're kind of like, you're not behaving as adults right now. You're behaving as children. Maybe maybe that's the point. They're so petty with each other. You just want to be like, shake them Mm. and say, (laughs) grow up. Yeah, well, also they're really self-serving, aren't they? Mm. The whole way through. Like they're, they're in that classic, they each think that they're right and the other one's wrong in quite a transparent way. I really don't want to have to kill giant wasps. Well, you wouldn't have to if you'd cleaned out the hive. What? What what hive? Remember? In the real world? In our tree? I asked you so many times and you promised to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine. But we wouldn't even be here if you hadn't knocked on the squirrel's door. You start off in the garden shed, which is where Rose shed her tears on the book. So, like you said at the beginning with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you're in this world of normal big human things, but it's also very magical and you're really, really small. Yeah. Hey, look, Cody, a door. A door in a tree? I don't like it. We got to get to Rose's room. But can't you see how far away it is? Yes, I can see how far away it is. That's why we got to keep moving. It's got that shrunken person in a giant world. You're like the mouse in Ratatouille. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And the genre skips and changes as you go through, but it's generally very platform-orientated, punctuated by boss battles as well. So there's a memorable one from the first act where you fight the Hoover. You call that just... Well, I mean, you know, some of it, it's... So that's why it broke down. Uh, It was your fault. Oh. And you promised him you'd fix me! Thank you. Mm -hmm. Instead... You put me away for life in here! Yep. Ah! But that was actually, that was quite a funny boss fight, wasn't it? So at the, at the end of the boss fight, 
you both like get its suckers and like suck its eyes out. Yeah, but it's also quite a good example of why the theme it struggles because it's so superficial. Mm. Here's a relationship that is breaking down because he said he'd fix the Hoover and he hasn't. That's the sort of point which they get stuck up on, isn't it? But there would be many of those little things in a relationship which build up over time. It's just you would hope that there'd be a bit more communication about it or maybe not such an emphasis placed on it. So you've got the Hoover is one example. Where do they go next? They go to the, the, the tree, tree house mm-hmm. with all the squirrels. There's a pair of Cody's boxers in the tree. And maybe he's like, that was where my favourite pair of boxers went. <laughs> I'm trying to think of small little examples. They stole my underwear. Oh, believe me, that was a blessing. Oh, really? Well, at least my underwear is now a sophisticated part of a flying machine. Oh, I sincerely doubt it can fly. Of course you do. Yeah, there are a lot of household items and personal items that they encounter on their voyage of discovery, of realisation, their awakening. Yeah, well, they're highly advanced squirrels who have made this giant wasp robot in order to control the wasps and get them away from their tree. But again, as we're talking about this, we made quite a nice connection with the Hoover and you can see how that links back to their relationship. Talking through the squirrels now, no idea how that relates. It seems slightly just kind of shoehorned in to the second act. Yeah, I mean, loads of things were, though. Like, all the boss battles, more or less, take place, or may- maybe not all the boss battles, but many elements of the game take place when you find a household object, and the household object comes to life and provokes you for whatever reason. Mm. And usually you end up going inside it. So, like, you go into a jukebox, you go into the hoover... Inside the snow cone. Snow globe. Yeah. yeah, when you go sort of skiing and stuff. There are loads of genres of games that it takes you through in each one of these environments. So it's almost like it treats each of these environments. I think there are seven of them, like seven chapters with different game mechanics, and you get a power. So one of them was like an action RPG, Mm. and you become like little wizards or whatever. And you're just gifted these powers by Dr. Hakim. In fact, one of the problems with the game, really, is that you're just gifted most stuff by Dr. Hakim. Like, there's a key point quite far through the game when you find this letter and you think, oh, this is going to make us big again and we're going to break the spell and return to our bodies. And it gets ripped into four by Dr. Hakim. And he says, you can win these pieces of the letter back by basically doing tasks. And each time you do a task... You think you're finding the bit of letter, but then you sort of just resolve the task and then he just shows up and gives you the bit of letter. Yeah, but I didn't mind that too much, actually, because that particular scene that, I mean, it was annoying because we were done with the game by that point, to be frank. We wanted the game to end. And then Dr. Hakim sat us down on the sofa. I was playing as May and Ben was playing as Cody. And it was like the real therapy would begin now. And we just thought, oh, just let us out. <laughs> like, we've had enough of this. And they said, you've got to find the four pieces of the letter. And then gives you a little therapy session, like each of them finding their passion. But yeah, it's a therapy session where as a reward for looking deep into yourself or thinking about the other person, you get a piece of this letter, which Rose has written to tell you how she feels. 
I'd almost wish that bit kind of like they, they pushed it forward, even though it wasn't actually as fun as the squirrel part. Yeah, so it's like two story beats. The first story beat is you get shrunk and you're like, oh, well, I think that the reason we got shrunk is because she cried on the book. So maybe if we can make her cry again, mm-hmm. then we'll become unshrunk. We'll become embiggened. <laughs> Obviously, that was never going to work. Like, what fucking logic is that? And also, they don't think, oh, well, she cried with sadness, so maybe if we get her to cry with joy, then we'll be returned to human size. They literally just think, if we can make her cry again. So they go out of their way to destroy things that their daughter, Rose, loves in the hope that she's going to be basically miserable and start weeping. And there's this gross scene when they destroy one of her favourite toys. And then when she does start to cry, they're like, yeah, yeah, go on, yeah, cry, yeah, in this sort of strangely bullying manner. It was really uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was. It was harrowing, that scene. It was really harrowing. It's just this cute elephant and it's running away from you like, no, no, Rose, save me. This is going to be ugly. It gets in this, this rocket and they shoot it down and then they grab it with the claw machine. Its leg falls off and then they like, they pin it down with a needle or a needle falls on its ear. They rip off its ear, push it off the edge. Yeah, it has that Lion King moment where it's like clutching the top like, uh, and you're like stomping on its hands to make it fall. Scar! Brother! Help me! Long live the king. That's what I mean. How, how could they be so evil for a good four hours? So before that, the space monkey is trying to stop you. Another one of Rose's toys. So you've got the space section and then the castle section. You're playing through Rose's imagination, aren't you? But you you get glimpses of Cody and May as good parents in those imaginations. So, for instance, like Cody had built the whole castle for Rose and now it doesn't really work. But they're fighting through a world which they've helped helped create in Rose's imagination. But they're the bad guys at that point. So, like I said, for those few acts, you're really not on the side of the characters that you're playing because they are just trying to kill Rose's toy and make her cry. And as the player, you know that that is... A ridiculous idea. Yeah, I don't think I was ever super on board with them in the duration of the game, actually. It was one of those weird out-of-body experiences in that way because when you're normally playing a game like that, it works because you embody the character. You kind of take on the character's perspective and usually you align with them. Whereas this, the game wants you to do all this stuff controlling Cody and May, but you're not on board with their agenda And so you don't want to be doing the stuff, but then you have to do it to proceed again in that sort of Stanley's parable vibe. And so, I don't know, you do it almost unwillingly. Mm. (laughs) That's a strange way to find yourself in a game that you ought to be wanting to continue to play. It's almost like the plot itself is designed to make you not want to play it because by playing it, you're being really cruel to your daughter and 
everything else within it. Like, for instance, take the other games that were made by this same developer. I think they were made by the same developer. Oh, we played one, did we? We played one together, didn't we? Yeah, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, and A Way Out. And we played A Way Out. Mm. So A Way Out, you're breaking out of a prison. Both of these are much shorter games, by the way. I think about six hours long. And Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, you are, as described, one's an older brother and one's a slightly younger brother. And both of those games are much more enjoyable in my view but also you're totally on board with the agendas of the players like you're in a prison you want to break out of the prison you obviously do um (laughs) and they have some good dynamics and some good banter i suppose Mm. and maybe one of them's a bit more villainous than the other one type thing but in general you're on board with their agenda check this out what are you thinking i'm thinking sheets all right let me hear it whereas in this I don't think I was ever on board with our player's agenda. And even when it became clear that I was meant to be at a certain point, like actually they are going to fall in love and they do care about Rose and they do want her to be happy or whatever. It was so cringy that even at that point, I almost wasn't on board with it. I was like, no, this grotesquely nauseatingly saccharine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I didn't really believe them at the end, I thought you've been so selfish and petty throughout this game, really not thinking too much about your daughter and thinking a lot more about your own petty grievances, that when they did put their petty grievances aside, I just thought, I don't have much hope for this relationship. And that brings it back around to what we thought. I don't think we even said it. But to begin with, I thought the conclusion was going to be, oh, no, we still are going to break it up, but actually we can do that in a friendly and nice way and in a way which doesn't damage our daughter rather than rekindle our love. And that's the way to... I mean, I'm not saying that can't happen. Like, it's potentially a good ending. I just wasn't really convinced by it given the characters that we were shown throughout the game. Yeah, agreed. And it is trying to sell you that marital dream of no matter what, things can always work out and you can always find your lost love and whatever else that I just, I don't know. I think that's maybe as childish a perspective as the game presents. Yeah, well, that's why I said at the beginning that it's strangely conservative because it's not fair to say that couples can never work out their differences. Like sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. (laughs) Although I'd like to think couples therapy is somewhat more nuanced than Dr. Hakim's therapy. I don't know. Like, have you ever um, listened to... I haven't listened to a lot. Who's the French couples therapist? That does a podcast. She's got a really famous podcast, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember either. Oh, that's a shame. I haven't listened to it, but I know of it. Listening to a couple of episodes of her podcast, you can see how... I mean, she gives a lot more nuance and direction than Dr. Hakim, for sure. But still, like, sometimes it can boil down to really simple things. So, like, one of the issues in this is that neither of them encourage each other's passions. And that essentially meant that both of them just forgot about their passions, which is really sad. And the game's really trite in the way it handles that because, well, give the example. So Cody's passion is gardening and he'd kind of forgotten about that because May never encouraged him. And then the garden, which has obviously come to life that they have to save, says to him, well, you shouldn't need any encouragement from anyone. It should come from within you. That is really trite and cheesy, but it is also true, I think. <laughs> like, you shouldn't look for just encouragement for other people and you should, like, direct yourself if you're enthusiastic about something. So it's like, no excuse, Cody. Yeah, but that's another thing, is that the story is very sort of 
didactic and moral, mm. but it's not making any profound observations that hadn't occurred to you. It's always very sort of fortune cookie. Here's a truism or whatever. Mm. It's not giving you any great insight into relationships or into life in general. So when it says you shouldn't need encouragement to, to find your passion, like if you've got a passion for singing in May's case, then sing. It's like, whoa, I didn't realize it was that easy. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I don't actually, I totally agree that it comes across as obvious, but people do lose that sense of themselves when life takes over. They're looking after the kid and they're work in May's case, like working to, to earn enough money to like keep the house and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it does a little bit of role reversal, doesn't it? A little bit of it does, yeah. inversion of the gender stereotypes. So she's the breadwinner. He's the stay-at-home gardener. It almost does that well, I think. It's almost done too too bluntly, to be realistic. But there are a few things, like May is both a singer, which is maybe more of a female stereotype as a hobby. Maybe not. But then she's also an engineer and the breadwinner for the family. Whereas Cody's a gardener and what's the other thing that he does? Well, he's just really into nature. I feel like that was a bit of projecting there, Taylor. What do you mean? I think Elvis Presley would not accept that singing is a female hobby. I don't know. He'd be all shook up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I'm all shook up. I feel like what they've tried to do, almost in such a calculated way as to make it unrealistic, is to think what are the elements we can give these characters which reverse the gender stereotypes but then not too much that it's like obvious hey how was your day great the uh, toaster broke and rose refused to eat her vegetables <laughs> how did it go at the dentist the dentist don't tell me you forgot about the dentist appointment no i didn't forget i thought you were taking her tomorrow no it was today i'm working tomorrow but, but it's saturday I know, I've got to work overtime. Another element of this are the mini-games. Which include, for instance, tug-of-war, snail racing, scale electrics, live chess, mm. which was I thought was going to be more of the Harry Potter thing, but was literally an actual chess game that you can't see the whole board while you're playing. Yeah, tanks, as in the old retro game tanks. Oh, yeah, I actually like that one. That was a nice yeah. little nostalgic blast from the past. Is it because you won? <laughs> did I win that one? Oh, maybe. You did, yeah. Cards on the table, I won very few of these games. And mainly the ones that involve button mashing, which Tay seemed to be shit at for some reason. How are you so good at button mashing? It was crazy. I think you might just have arthritis, mate. I don't know why you're so slow with it. I was tapping that Y button as fast as I could, but you were literally about twice as fast as me. Yeah, it's all the quick time action sequences I've been playing. So already the main game is genre mashing and every act gives you a different set of tools or a different perspective or whatever, kind of. It is mostly a 3D platformer. Mm. But then, yeah, within that, you can hop onto a little console or go into a little arena and play a different game. What did you think of those? I mean, in general, I thought they were quite fun, but I don't really like it in games. 
this makes me sound so austere and utilitarian, but I don't really like it in games where they just add stuff that you can do if you want, but doesn't do anything, doesn't add anything per se, but it's just kind of like, yeah, we just threw that in as well. And by the end of the game, every time, because Teo is very much completionist, we're playing it through. We'd encounter a challenge. I'd run straight to the objective and Teo would be like, you missed a challenge as if I didn't realise. And I'd have to be like, oh, <laughs> do you want to do the challenge? And he'd be like, yeah, of course. I have to fucking run back across the map just so that we can spam a button. Like one of them was long jump from a swing. So your swing's going backwards and forwards. It takes ages to build up momentum and there's like a countdown clock. Teo goes flying and my character just climbed calmly off the swing at the foot of the swing. The defending gold medalist, he's ready to go. Possibly a no jump there. Like he just didn't get that time up right. I was so pissed off. That happened in most of the mini games, that sort of weirdness. Mm. Yeah. Slash incompetence. Who knows? Well, I, I feel like you need a, a few tries to like warm up to the game. And at that point, it would level out. Me or one needs. No, no. <laughs> you need. Me specifically. <laughs> yeah, I need some training levels. Yeah, well, sometimes we'd be on the instructions. Well, for a while, you were, I think you got worried that you hadn't been reading the instructions. So like you started to read the instructions really carefully before we started and that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Quite often you were like, oh, it's X. I thought you had to press Y, blah, blah, blah. It's like... <laughs> well, yeah, that's because it always made you press Y to accept the challenge. But then I was left thinking that I had to press, because usually it's only one button that you have to press. Oh, this is really feeble making of excuses, by the way. I was just shit at these mini games. No, like, but I also didn't have much of an incentive to want to be good at them. Mm. So like when they cropped up in a level, I was like, ah, oh, I don't really want to waste any more time doing this mini game that I know probably Teo's going to win and is a bit boring anyway. I'd rather just move to the next chapter. Yeah, fair. But the point of them is it's a way for two people to hang out in a game isn't it and it just adds a little bit of freshness which is honestly is needed in the game as a whole because it does get very repetitive and feel long so i think it's a way just to break it out and hang out yeah but think of all of the different mediums within gaming i mean so forgetting for a minute real life ways that we could hang out if we wanted to think mm. of all the in-game versions of that whether you're playing fortnite or apex or world of warcraft whatever like there are way better forums mm. to hang out and chill while gaming and having a good time than fucking playing snail racing yeah but for people that don't play games what those mini games remind me of is is it called mario party yeah i, I did think it was it was actually quite a lot like some of the mario games as well i don't know whether that's the specific one but start well, there's a Mario game. I think it's called Mario Party. I haven't played it too many times. Where the game is just a bunch of these mini games, and you compete one after the other with these games, and whoever wins the most rounds by the end wins. It's very much like that. And I do think that people that aren't into games generally do enjoy those games, and that's who it was appealing to here. Well, so you're saying it's a game for non-gamers? It's a game for non-gamers, but filled with gaming references for gamers. Well, this is what I mean. I think it's a game for people who like games to get someone into games who doesn't play games, or at least sort of like a way into their hobby for, say, their partner or something like that. Because this is what I was going to say right at the start, which is I started recommending this game to a few people with that in mind, 
So to say, oh yeah, if you want to play this with your partner who doesn't play games, I think you'd both really enjoy it. And then I'd ask what the game is about, and I'd say, oh, it's a couple who are breaking up and having a really difficult relationship. And they'd be like, you saying we're in a really difficult relationship? <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times. And I was like, how can I sell this game, even if I wanted to, <laughs> for a couple to play? Because I do know one person that played it with their partner, and they did both really enjoy it. That is weird, though. I think that's a phenomenon with all games or books or films or whatever else that you want to recommend, is that like if they're quite elite, from your own life and your own circumstances, then there is never any ulterior motive with your suggesting that game or book or film. So for instance, there's a really brilliant book that I found transformative called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. Amazing book, but it's about depression. And that's not why I would recommend it to people. I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, you're clearly really fucking depressed. Read this great book. Mm -hmm. It's just a great book that has insights on lots of areas of life, but it's always a bit problematic that the subtext on it or the colon subtitle, as it were, is something like overcoming depression or why people are unhappy or something like that. And that makes it a really hard sell. Yeah. And I think that that's true of something like this. Like, for instance, if this game was not about couples having therapy, but was like about co-pilots navigating their way through enemy lands, mm. then you would have no qualms about suggesting it. And no one would say, are you suggesting that I become a co-pilot? Like, <laughs> well, obviously not. But because it's about couples therapy and they are in a couple, then there's a chance that what you're really doing is sort of subtweeting them. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. It's true. And it's odd because ordinarily you wouldn't worry about that when, well, maybe when you're recommending a film, but certainly a Pixar film. A lot of those Pixar films do have a kernel of deepness to them, don't they? Or like a good message or a point to make. Yeah, loads of them do. Loads of them. The one I, I like the most is Wally. Wally. Which is all about, well, humans being fat and lazy and not caring about the environment, that sort of thing. By and large, everything you need to be happy. Your day is very important to us. Hey, drink a bus. Here, take the cup. Hey, take the cup. Oh! Please remain stationary. A service bot will be here to assist you momentarily. Stewards! Oh. Please remain stationary. A service bot will be here to assist you momentarily. What's that? What's going on? Uh, John. Uh, no. John. <laughs> it's done just in a really nice, nice way that makes you really care about it. You wouldn't suggest that film to someone because it's like, I think you're fat and lazy and need to care about the environment. No one would think that, would they? Because it's more about like people generally. And I think this game is as well. Like It's more about generally about the poor direction that some relationships can go in, but not your relationship. So, yeah. Do you remember Portal 2? Stupid question. Of course, yeah. We played that together as well. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is fucking incredible, phenomenal, brilliant experience, <laughs> and 0 is wished I hadn't started playing, where would you put Portal 2 on a scale, and where would you put this on that same scale? This is a good reference point. Portal 2, definitely a 10. This was a triumph. I'm making a note here, huge success. 
and this by comparison like a four probably or, or a five yeah 4.5 yeah but what's going on there <laughs> because these are games of similar levels of critical acclaim so this is another one of those scenarios where i feel i'm missing something or or i'm really not the intended audience hmm. but then neither are you and that seems weird because we're both people who love games if it had been half the length i probably would have given it like a seven or an eight seven seven right if it had taken all the best parts of that 12-hour experience and condensed it into six hours, it would have been an awesome game and it wouldn't have outstayed its welcome. All right, what, what were the best parts, Taylor? What were the best parts? So when you're given these tools for each section, that will be where the asymmetrical cooperative play comes in. So in the first section, May has a hammer and Cody has a nail. So Cody's got to throw the nails onto the wall for May to swing on them, but you can only throw so many nails at once. Like, there's little cooperative mechanics like that throughout. That's a mechanic that's reprised later on when one of you's got a... You've both got parts of a magnet, one attracts and one repels, Hmm. and I can fire, like things for your magnet to hook onto which yeah, is basically like the nail and the hammer thing again yeah so again like so that's one little literally uh three minute section where you have this magnet cannon and i'm having to pull myself towards these magnetic nodes as they're sliding down some ice so that we could ring that bell or whatever but that's what i mean there's a lot of a lot of love put into those bits because although that's a mechanic which is literally just used for three minutes and then it's gone never to be seen again and you know, like the swimming, sliding, going on along these rails. There's a lot of set dressing to these mechanics. Often, you're right, they're superficial. But still, had that not gone on so long, I think I would have been charmed by it a lot more than I was, yeah. It was very graphically interesting, and the animations are super smooth. We both commented on that a lot while we were playing. And also, the actual environments that you fill, even though you're only in them fairly fleetingly before you move on, are very detailed. And as Taylor says, they've put in a lot of love into those. Mm. So for instance, you might be clambering up a bookshelf or you might, um, it gets more and more fucking surreal as you're playing. When you end up in a snow globe, the town is all frozen over because like, like your love is frozen and you have to thaw it out. And each time you thaw it out, these weird little things come to life with like long pointy noses, like they're sort of um, Christmas elves or something. And you're skiing down icy sheets and then you go underwater and there's ice and you have to follow pipes to unlock stuff it like nothing really makes sense and doesn't feel like they make an effort to make it make sense but it's just a way of stringing together a series of interactions and a series of set pieces and usually those set pieces are connected by your main characters falling into a hole hang on You know, I am getting really tired of falling. Well, be grateful you're in good shape. Oh yeah? Thanks, May. <laughs> oh, the best one of these is when the very final mission when you're in a jukebox, I think, and mm. she's trying to sing and you have to it's really stupid, you have to get like first of all you have to find the instruments and you have to find the musicians to play the instruments. But the sort of final scene you're in almost like a recording studio or something and there are violins around there's synthesizers around and you kind of can run up and down the keyboard it's 
all tuned, but you can play a little melody if you move your character really carefully along the notes and stuff. I really like that. And that's what I mean by a love mm. for the detail and in the way it was crafted. I'm just not sure. I think it was like a bit misplaced, to be honest, the attention. I kind of wish they'd done all this exact same like level of craftsmanship and of detail into something that I could get a bit more on board with. They could have made the puzzles a lot more satisfying as well. For the most part, the puzzles are very, very straightforward. You're right. All of the puzzles are so simplistic in their nature. It would have been a lot better, I think, for them to just do less and make it of a better quality. I remember one moment when we were playing and Teo said something like, oh, that was a little visual puzzle, like in The Witness. I don't think I said anything at the time, but I remember thinking, this is not comparable to The Witness. No, that was <laughs> like, so basic. The, the Witness has I was such intricate puzzles in it that your head hurts within minutes of playing and everything seems like a possible puzzle. Whereas in this, it's like big flashing light. This is a puzzle. Push A. <laughs> yeah, it's literally the lock for the door is a clock. And then in background in the shot, really obviously, there's a massive clock where the time is is five to one. And we each had to control our hand. And then it was just like, turn to one. <laughs> yeah, I was joking when I compared that to The Witness. But there are some puzzles in The Witness where... You can see the answer. Oh, The Witness was so good. I didn't even finish The Witness and I thought it was so good. It was just so hard that I couldn't hack it. Yeah. But, yeah. I was thinking, under normal circumstances, we've obviously said this is a good thing to play with your partner or this is a good space to hang out with a friend, maybe. I didn't buy into that, but okay. And I was thinking, under normal circumstances, short of those two examples where you're playing with a flatmate or your partner, when have you got 13 or so hours to just play with the exact same person, the exact same game? And yeah. it's quite other than that person. You can't do it with anyone else. So it's not very sociable, broader than that. Yeah, you definitely have to be in a specific circumstance to play it. That's why with your partner, I mean, that's just going to be the most common combination for this game, isn't it? Mm. In that sense, it's a bit like... Uh, pandemic legacy although that does involve more people that's a cooperative board game and you can change up the players as you go through but it is like a 15 to 20 hour experience which you have to complete with the same three or four people quite a commitment a logistical nightmare that's why i never finished it yeah that's true oh pandemic legacy is bloody good though yeah oh, have you played it yeah it. we're way off topic <laughs> Cool. What's next? Or do you want to do closing comments? I feel like that kind of was closing comments. Closing comments. I feel like I was maybe a little bit harsh giving it a four out of ten. But that's when it compares to Portal 2, which is a phenomenal game. But that, but that is the scale though, right? Like that we don't ex scale. exclude yeah, yeah. brilliant games when we make a judgment. Like if we're putting it on a scale of ten, that's the same scale that a game like Portal 2 would be put on. Mm. So it has to be relative to that. It can't be like, oh, this is a 10 if you exclude other brilliant games. Yeah, no, no, I, I do agree. I do agree. But I do think it's worth a try, even if you start it and don't finish it, because we should mention as well, only one person has to buy it. Your partner can play for free, which makes it a bit more accessible. Has a lovely seamless invitation <laughs> method with a delightful Ubisoft... <laughs> logins and a little in-game web browser that pops up 
oh god it's ugly how is it so badly integrated they could have done that better but i would i would definitely say um if you're really into games and you live with someone that isn't but you want to get them to dip their toes into gaming generally it's definitely worth a shot for sure especially if they like pixar films as well Mm. it's like that venn diagram i would say you you might be on to a winner but maybe just don't bother finishing it yeah i would probably say it's not worth your time okie (laughs) dokie that's a wrap what's next what's the next game uh so am i right in saying that we are going to play oxen free next i think you are right in saying that yes Cool, nice little narrative adventure game. You've already said more about it than I know about it. I can't really remember why I suggested we play it, or if, even if I did suggest we play it, or if you did. One of us suggested it, because that's why we're playing it. But You suggested it, but I have been wanting to play it for ages and ages. Like, I already owned it. But also on this, we've got this huge list of games to play, and we just keep doing games which aren't even on our huge <laughs> list. It's just like... Should we look at our list sometime? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I think with this one, it was because it was one of those things, like Steam have got this new system where a game that you own, but you haven't played, it will sort of add to this like list where it says, these are games we think you'd love and you already own them. And then it gives you some like points of comparison. Like, this is why we thought you'd love this. It surprisingly works, I think. Like, there's loads of games that I forgot that I owned, or at some stage I probably picked up in some crazy Steam sale back in the days that they were good, and you'd get, like, 80% off or whatever. Steam sales these days, bit crap, aren't they? Yeah, better than a kick in the bollocks, but still not as good as they used to be. And I imagine I picked this game up when it was either as close to free as it was ever going to be. <laughs> or I read a review about it that was bigging it up and I thought, oh yeah, I'll give that a whirl. And then I totally forgot that it, I even owned it. And then I think it probably resurfaced in one of those lists and I thought I'd run it past you. So it's good that we both already own it. Uh, yeah, we've prepped it enough now. We should leave the rest of the oxen-free intro and thoughts for next time. Coolio. Bye, Teo. See you later. This was really fun. Bye, yeah. <laughs> Not like I haven't spent enough time with you over the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, actually. Like, because I'm editing the podcast as well. So even on the days that I'm not with you, I hear your voice in my ear, like, constantly. Yeah, that is weird. Interminable. Vision household. Ben and Teo are trying to play It Takes Two. Teo has decided to be the little girl, and Ben has decided to play as Cody, the little man. Freaky deaky girl. <laughs> hey, Ben, you want to be freaky girl, dear? Alright, I'll be little leaf boy. I'll be blue haired woman. I'm going to be sick of the dump. <laughs> this is reminding me of Hitch. You know of Will Smith. We live right here. Okay? This is home. None of this. I don't want to see none of that. I don't need no pizza. 
They got food there. That don't really know where I'm going. No, with I was this just going to say, we meant to be rolling it this way because there's a big old block there, which suggests to me that. Well, I, was, I was hoping there might be some sort of. Uh... Oh, look at that! That's cool. How do you grab onto that thing? Uh, you just hit A again when you're on it. You can kind of wall jump a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah. But not on that box, apparently. <laughs> oh, look, maybe we both have to get this lever. Do you just call it a lever? A lever, yeah. You dickwad. Okay, so now look, I'll take this. You hit the green button. No, 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 you have to go and hit the green button on my right. Oh, it's too soon. I was too quick, sorry. And then you run to the... Ooh. Oh, go run the other one. Oh, <laughs> fuck off. I was on it like a car bonnet. Ah. Quick, quick, quick. Oh, <laughs> you little bitch. Oh, it's, it's actually quite hard to... Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is... I, this is lag, mate, I reckon. Oh, nice. there we go, there we go. <laughs> this is lag, mate, I reckon. No, I actually think I just fucked up this bit here. Uh, oh, yeah. because it's not quite aligned. That's actually the one thing I'd say I'm struggling with this, with this game so far, is just the perspective is actually a bit tricksy. Do you know what I mean? Like, it looks like you're above the thing, but then you're not. No, not his eyes. This is brutal. <laughs> that is dark. That is so jokes. This is like the mini games in um, The Way Out <laughs> that were so far. Oh shit! Shit, man! <laughs> oh. God damn it! It's actually pretty hard being Cody. That's really hard for you. I don't really understand how you're meant to win. Not when you're against reflexes like mine, anyway. <laughs> oh, here's a little competition, look. Is it literally just going to be tapping? Is this wide? just button bashing? <laughs> yeah. No way! That's bullshit! <laughs> Why are we a weakling? Why are we so much better? Absolutely a weakling. Do you want another little oh, yeah, I suppose. I suppose I do. Must be something to do with your better controller or something. Alright. There, there, there. Go, 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 go. That's a good one. I'm just waiting for you to. Nice. That, that was a really good one. Go, go, go. Finally. Fucking hell, that prick. Old waspy. <laughs> you Why are you fucking psycho, mate? Jesus Christ. He's like the guy, is it Ed Harris in, um... Oh. Oh, what the fuck. Is it Ed Harris in the in uh, the Rock? When know. they're escaping from Alcatraz for Sean Connery. But first they need to break into Alcatraz. Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. But first they need to break into Alcatraz. <laughs> You went into full uh, movie trailer mode then. <laughs> the one where they break out of Alcatraz, but first they need to break into Alcatraz. <laughs> Which one are they doing the other way? Right, so you need to stand on the end of that, and then I do this. Um, and now I think you've got to do, you've got to jump off that side. Whoa! <laughs> We got an achievement for that. Do we? Yeah. Oh, nice. We got to do it uh, in sync. Oh. Okay, ready? Yeah. Two, three, go. Oh. How did we fuck that up? No. Okay. Try again. Yeah, from the starting point. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, <laughs> oh do I have to be big? Yeah, Roy, you're not getting me. 
I mean, this is pretty insane for me. I think I have to wait for it to be. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck it Fucking hell, man. You're watching my screen. This is crazy. <laughs> Come on, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're having the time of your life. This is insane. Whoa. No, stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. How are you surviving? <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. Just, just fucking reflexes like a cat, boy. It's, uh, I think you're, are you meant to be like pushing forwards and back and I'm meant to be pushing left and right? The only control I've got on my screen is left yeah, and I right. I don't know, you're bad. Go back, you have to go backwards now. Oh. Well, how are we moving, how are we moving forwards? I think we both have to go forwards, right? So if I go, if I go forwards, you go back, right? Okay. <laughs> or do we both have to go forwards at the same time? Yeah, this is good. Alright, one. Two, three, full speed ahead. All right, you go full speed and I I'll go half speed. I literally don't know One, what's going two, on here. One, two, three, go. Because look, if I, so I'm not touching anything right now? What the hell, no. man? Right, so if you push forwards now, yeah, I'm literally not doing anything and it goes forwards. Whereas if you don't push anything a second, now I'll push forwards. It makes no difference. Yeah, I'm pushing me, forwards, it's not doing anything. Yeah, cool. So you, you definitely have to touch something, right? No, that's what I'm saying. I, I have no bearing on whether we're forwards or backwards. I only have bearing on if it's left or right. So, like, I can do this, look. Go then. That's me. You're forwards and backwards. Oh. There you go. I can't believe there's four of these pages and we haven't even got one yet. I know. Do you reckon there'll be, like, a little joke and they'll just give it them all to us at once? <laughs> that would be such a welcome relief. Uh, but I doubt it. This looks so creepy, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. He's lunging towards you with his fucking dick out. Oh, Rose is going to be like, ooh, the plants are back. That infection must have spread from the greenhouse into the plant pots in the main building. Oh, it's a freaky clown. Yeah. I think you want to go and see the queen. I actually thought that was her then. Fucking hell, this is going on so long. Just sing your goddamn song. May, it'll be December by the time you get started. Shit on me, man. <laughs> boom, boom. She's leaving, she's leaving, look. I she's called off. it. I called, I called it. it too. Even though this kid's quite young, she looks quite old, doesn't she? She's quite an old-looking young kid. <laughs> she's an old-looking young kid. <laughs> <laughs> Right, here we go. Are we going to get a nice little song? Or are we going to get a load of old bullshit? <laughs> I love that. She hasn't thought to wake her parents up. Fucking call an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> you better fucking hurry up, mate. <sighs> mate, it's literally 7.30pm. We started playing at 11am. No words. It's the intro, mate. It's the intro. Oh, no. It's frozen <laughs> style. <laughs> Hang on, this is a reference as well. It's what, like Aladdin or something? No. Oh, like a sci-fi movie. What was that movie? I'm gonna nap. What's he got next to his legs? A fluffy <laughs> bit of rope. 
<laughs> Is that your floppy bit of rope, or are you just happy to see me? I love you, Dad. At the bus stop. Yes, they have money for me to buy a bus ticket. Back to sandwich and a lollipop. Oh no. No lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> What time? I feel like that baboon. <laughs> you look like that elephant. <laughs> That's it. And we're done. It's a wrap. Yay. Right, good, good job. Now we just got to record the pod. Now we just got to talk about the fucking thing. <laughs>